This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, every so often I get on this podcast and I give you an update on what's going on in the world of abortion, especially when it's at the top of the news cycle, which right now we've got coronavirus, we've got the stock market, we've got oil and gas, we've got all kinds of things. But there were some things that have happened in the world of abortion that happened last week and in the last several days that I want to make sure that you guys are aware of. Before we get into that, I want to give you a little quick update on the murder ticker. So since Roe v. Wade has come into being in the United States, again, it's not a law, it's just a Supreme Court decision. More than 61 million babies have been murdered in their mother's wombs here in this country. 61 million. So for any of you guys that are like, Kyle, why do you talk about abortion all the time? I get it. You're pro-life. You, you don't like people that get abortions. You don't like, uh, pe- you know, the fact that they kill the babies. I like, I get it. This is why guys, 61 million like, think about anything else. I mean, I look at right now, we've got this supposed epidemic, contagion, whatever, coronavirus thing. No one really knows exactly how bad it's going to be or how docile it's going to be. They don't really have any freaking clue. Can you imagine if 61 million people have died of that in the recent past or even over several decades, what we would be doing, the, the generalized outcry from both parties that that was going on? But before I get to on, on too much of a diatribe, I can't start screaming this early in the podcast. I'll lose my voice. But basically, we've got the Supreme Court in the news again for something concerning abortion. Now, as a slight diatribe, I will go ahead and say this. The fact that the Supreme Court is so powerful right now, the, the founding fathers have got to be absolutely turning over in their graves. The Supreme Court should have never been this important. It's certainly important. Like it was meant to be important from the beginning, but this, this idea, because that's the thing with a lot of people that kind of held their noses and voted for Donald Trump back in 2016. A lot of the people that said that said, Kyle, I mean, the Supreme the Supreme court is too important. Like, can you imagine if Hillary Clinton had had two uh, justices that she put on the Supreme court, we would never get it back on the conservative side. And I can see that argument of all the arguments. That's actually one of the more compelling arguments to vote for a guy like Donald Trump. But at the same time, it shouldn't be this important. It is, but this is a world that we live in. But basically Last week, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, they heard oral arguments in a case from the state of Louisiana. And so what this law would require is that abortionists would have admitting privileges for patient emergencies. That's literally it. Abortionists would be forced by law to have hospital admitting privileges for patients that are in emergency situations. Okay. So March 4th, that was the date that the Supreme court heard those oral arguments in the case. And it's going to be several weeks, if not several months until they actually uh, kind of come to a conclusion on that and make a ruling. But according to lifenews.com, there was this report here, the 2014 Louisiana law at the center of the case requires abortion providers to have hospital admitting privileges to treat patients with emergency complications. If allowed to take effect, it would close shot abortion facilities that are not prepared to help patients suffering from emergency complications, unquote, from uh, lifenews.com again. The thing about this law is it doesn't really touch abortion. Like if you look at it at its most base level, a lot of people on the pro-abortion side of things say, oh, this is going to, you know, make it to where it's unsafe for women. They're going to have to have their babies or whatever the situation is, which it's not really truthful. Some people are looking at this as kind of a Trojan horse for people that are pro-life in the United States. I don't really see it as that. It might end up being that, but there are two major issues. Okay. And in that same article from Life News, there were two major issues that people are kind of having with this law or two major things that we need to keep in mind when talking about this law. And then we'll get into some of the drama that occurred outside of the Supreme Court while this law was being argued. Okay. So here we're going to go back in the article. We're going to read the quotes here. 
The first revolves around whether the Supreme Court should follow its previous ruling in a similar case from Texas, Whole Women's Health, where the abortion center sued to stop its admitting privileges laws and won, with the high court deciding that laws protecting women's health are an undue burden, supposedly. The Louisiana law has important differences. The Texas law requires abortionists to have admitting privileges and required abortion clinics to meet the same standard as ambulatory surgical centers. However, the Louisiana law did not require clinics to meet that ambulatory center requirements. Two, the second issue is whether the abortion business has a standing to bring the lawsuit in the first place. The court also will consider a second important issue in the case, whether abortion clinics have standing on to sue on behalf of their patients. Often it is the abortion businesses, not women, who sue to overturn pro-life informed consent laws, health and safety regulations, and other laws to protect unborn babies from abortion. So the thing about this is, is guys, again, this doesn't really seem like it's it's some sort of a Trojan horse type of thing. But at the same time, it's like, especially if a woman goes through complications while she's getting an abortion, which she should not be doing, but if she's going through complications, if her life is at stake, or if the baby is born alive, thank God the baby is born alive, that there should be admitting privileges to the hospital. And so some of these shoddier, as the word was used earlier, some of these shoddier clinics would be shut down and should be shut down. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not, you know, it's legal in this country essentially for a woman to walk in to an abortion clinic and kill her child. Yes, we, we are. We obviously know that that is understood at this point, but let's say at any point the woman's life is in danger during this procedure because the guy performing this procedure or, or gal performing this procedure doesn't know what they're doing or just something goes wrong medically. There's some sort of a random thing that happens. We got to be able to get those people to an emergency room. We got to be able to get those people to a hospital. They should be able to have those privileges. That's what this is arguing. So the thing about it is, is even though I explained it in the most fair way that I think I can explain it, the pro-abortion lobby absolutely lost their minds. And, and the thing that I love about what happened on the on the steps of the Supreme Court last week is we get to pull back the curtain a little bit and get a peek at the true evil of people that are pro-abortion, right? And I'm not talking about those people that are conflicted, that they don't really know, well, what about in the case of rape or incest, even though we've taught y'all how to deal with that argument before. The thing about it is we get to see what these people are honestly about. So basically, while these uh, oral arguments were being presented, there were people that were on the steps, these uh, pro-abortion people that were on the steps of the Supreme Court, basically holding a rally. They And there were some pro-life people as, as well, but really the cameras were on the pro-choice people and the pro-abortion people, which thank God. So there's three people that I want to talk to you about in terms of their reactions to this. The first is someone named Renee Bracey Sherman. Okay. So this person on her own Twitter describes herself as the queen of all abortions, whatever that means. She's also been called the Beyonce of abortion storytelling. Again, whatever that means. But let's just hear from Renee Bracey Sherman and what she had to say on the steps of the Supreme Court. Where are the abortion providers at? Where are the future abortion providers at? Awesome. And a special shout out to where my people who had abortions. Where y'all at? Nothing about this work is going to be without us. Awesome. So, as I said, I had an abortion when I was 19. It was honestly one of the best decisions of my life. I was simply not ready to become a parent, and that's really all you need to know. So this woman had an abortion at the age of 19, and uh, need I remind you, in case you forgot from like seven seconds ago, she called it one of the best decisions of her entire life. So that's interesting. 
that this person sees the killing of a child as one of the greatest decisions that she's ever made for herself personally, but the Beyonce of abortion storytelling was just really, really excited, right? I mean, she's she's the hype man. She's the little John of abortion storytelling, apparently, because she can get on the steps of the Supreme Court and try to get a crowd into a frenzy, kind of whip them into a frenzy by saying, where are my abortion providers at? And that's like a thing that you, like, you, you, when you go to a concert sometimes, it's like, where are the ladies at? All right, where are the fellas at? You know, you get stuff like that and that gets everybody kind of going, where are my abortion providers at? Where are my future abortion providers at? You know, shout out to all the people in the crowd that have had an abortion. Really? Like, I thought, I thought that it was a myth that women would scream their abortions and be super proud of it. I thought this was, you know, a decision that a woman made solemnly with her doctor and that was kind of what it is. But that doesn't really sound like that. That doesn't sound solemn at all. It sounds like she's downright giddy about it. So much so that she's shrieking into a microphone about it. But she wasn't the only person that did this because again, Renee Bracey Sherman, uh, no one knew her name before this and they're really not going to know her name longer than the, the end of this podcast. But Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, he decided to get in on the business and he decided to uh, infuse a little bit of uh, incendiary rhetoric. So let's see what Senator Chuck Schumer from New York, you know, that state that approved abortion up to the moment of birth. Let's see what he had to say. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. So almost immediately after this, uh, Senator Schumer was absolutely eviscerated by this, even by people in the left wing of the media. They were like, dude, I mean, you went a little hard right there. You won't know what hit you. I mean, and then, and then his people came out, his handlers, essentially his PR department came out the next day and said, oh no, he was just mainly uh, talking about the political ramifications and blah, blah, blah. Uh, all of a sudden forgetting that these people are appointed, like they, they have lifetime appointments. So political ramifications don't exactly affect those people that are on the Supreme Court because he named Gorsuch and Kavanaugh by name as the only two judges that were put on the Supreme Court by Donald Trump. And what and levied against them, what can only be considered to be a threat. Now, later, Senator Schumer came out and said, oh, you know, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. And yo, bro, that's, uh, that's like what we say or whatever. And it's kind of one of those deals. It's like, OK, even if you believe that, is that the rhetoric you expect from a senator? Like, I wouldn't be happy about someone leveling what could be considered a threat against a leftist judge if they were on the right. I wouldn't be for that. And here's the thing. That little show by him, which you got to give it up to Senator Schumer. He obviously just got hooked up by the crowd. You know what I mean? Typically he's front of a microphone in front of like seven people from C-SPAN. He's not really getting hyped, right? Maybe the Beyonce of abortion storytelling really got him hyped up before he came out on stage for his biggest performance of his life, apparently. But it seemed like he got caught up in the moment. He got caught up in the crowd. And as most politicians do, they're trying to get clapping and hooting and hollering and stuff like that because that stuff looks really, really good on political ads later on when you run them on YouTube, apparently. But this didn't go unnoticed, and it certainly didn't go unnoticed by even some of the most important people in this country, most notably Chief Justice John Roberts of the Supreme Court of the United States. He responded with this, quote, This morning, Senator Schumer spoke at a rally in front of the Supreme Court while a case was being argued inside. Senator Schumer referred to two members of the court by name and said he wanted to tell them that, 
Quote, you have released a whirlwind and you will pay the price. You will not know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decisions, unquote. Justices know that criticism comes with the territory, but threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are dangerous. All members of the court will continue to do their job without fear or favor from whatever quarter, unquote. So again, it's so surprising to get something like this. You would almost expect it from someone in the house. And I don't know why I would even say something like that, but there seems to be a different level of decorum between the Senate and the house. Uh, I mean, call me crazy, but it just kind of seems that way. Maybe it's a little bit watered down in the house. Who the heck knows? But you weren't exactly expecting this from a sitting Senator, but I don't think he took the cake that day. I mean, that was pretty egregious what he did and the whatever gal her name is from before that, that, that was pretty ridiculous what we had to, you know, listen to her do as she's kind of like launching the festivities, but really the craziest diatribe and the craziest presentation that day was from an actress named Busy Phillips. Now don't feel crazy if you don't know that name, Busy Phillips. Yes, that's B-U-S-Y Phillips. She's I don't know, a D-list comedian. I mean, if you saw her face uh, on the screen right now, you might recognize her. She's been in some small roles in some movies that you might've seen a long time ago. Let's just say Hollywood's probably not knocking down her door for her to audition for huge blockbuster parts or something like that, but she just had this insane presentation and I'm just going to play it for you right now in all its glory. And I will tell you guys, there's, uh, this is going to be an unfiltered playing of this. Uh, there's going to be no bleeping out of the language that she used. So if you got some kids listening in the car or something like that, you might uh, just skip a, a couple of minutes ahead because I just want you to hear everything that she has to say in all of its glory, I guess. So here we go. Busy Phillips. Here I was, sitting in Los Angeles in my beautiful office of my own late night talk show. Soon I would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful fucking home to kiss my two beautiful and healthy children and my husband who had taken the year off to parent so I could focus on my career. have all of this, all of it, because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15. I will not be shamed into being quiet. We will not be shamed into being quiet never again. stop talking about my abortion or my periods or my experiences in childbirth, my episiotomies, my yeast infections, or my ovulation that lines up with the moon. Hmm. So that's the thing that happened. That's the thing that happened in the real world. Like someone actually thought those things and then set them all because, because, because she's demonic. I mean, go back and listen to about halfway through her little spiel and just even the voice that she used. I mean, does she not sound like she's completely satanic at that point that she's, she's got some demon speaking for her wormwoods in there, kind of like messing around, kind of feeling about. I mean, the thing about it is, is again, guys, the reason why I bring this to you is because people believe this. Like she wasn't just saying those things. These aren't, these certainly aren't the first times we've heard her say things like this before. 
Like she's, she's talked about this openly, right? She's unbelievably proud that she got an abortion when she was 15 years old. Unbelievably proud. I mean, again, she implies with her little speech that she did there that she would not have had the life she had. She wouldn't have had her talk show and her, her whatever car she said, her hybrid car and her nice apartment and her beautiful office and the husband and the things and the blah, 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 if she didn't murder a baby. And the thing that we see here from these three individuals, and certainly there were more that day that were out there and just people that are all around the United States that may or may not be saying this with a loud microphone or a sound system uh, next to them. We're seeing a full-throated support of killing babies while they're in the womb. There, there's no hiding the ball anymore. There's no 1990s Clinton era. You know, it should be uh, safe, legal, and rare. There's none of that anymore. You cannot be a major party candidate in the Democratic Party. You cannot consider yourself a leftist. You cannot be woke. You cannot be accepted in a lot of these liberal areas of the country unless you believe this stuff. You got to listen to what this person just said, Busy, Busy Phillips. You got to listen to what she said and go, yeah, I'm down with all that. I'm down with every last bit of that. If it's a choice between material goods and some potential uh, improvements in your career, you should absolutely shed blood. Why wouldn't you? It's morally neutral, right? And then she kind of screams there at the end about yeast infections or something. I don't really know where she was going with that. But guys, this is the modern pro-choice movement, as they call it, or pro-abortion, pro-baby murder, baby murder movement, as I call it. But the thing is, is this is happening every single day. People that are, they're at coffee shops having conversations that are similar to this at a different volume. They're, they're, you know, probably a lot more reserved than what we just made you listen to here. But at the same time, you got to know that this is out there. So if you live in one of these communities, like the community that I live in, where the only full-throated support that you see, you know, verbalized in the community is the, you know, not killing babies, you got to think that there are people in your community that do actually think this way. And you might end up in a conversation with some of these people at some point, And hopefully you've got a better argument than, oh, uh, well, I just, you know, I'm not really comfortable with abortion because I think it's murder. Uh, I guess most of the time I think it's murder. This is why I talk about this so often, because there's not really, in my, in my opinion, a more important topic that we could talk about, right? I mean, everybody, everyone's buying up all the toilet paper on the planet and all the Germex and all, all the everything else for a virus that might, might have a 2% kill, kill rate right? 2%. That is significant for all the people that pass away. Don't get me wrong. But again, just think about in the state of New York, there are more black children that are murdered in the womb that are born. That's more than 50% of black babies in the state of New York are killed. I, I, I just, it just absolutely, it just, it's crazy to me. The things that people will go nuts over about funding for this program or about this or that. And I know we talk about them some here on this podcast, but what could be more important than this? So that's kind of the big story from last week because you had all these people basically going out there and this will not end. Obviously, whenever we get the decision, there's either going to be people like, you know, from the pro-abortion side screaming in the streets, their excitement or screeching their uh, extremes in the in the streets about the things that they don't like about what came down about the decision. But that's not the only story. The, these are stories that have happened really in the last couple of weeks. I'm just going to run down a few of them for you. So Bernie Sanders, you know, that guy who's, you know, presidential hopes are essentially done for, which I'm a little bit disappointed in because I really wanted him to be on the ballot for Democrats so that it would like destroy them all the way down ballot across the entire country. But you know, here we go. We got a a half a live person in Joe Biden. That's probably going to win the democratic ticket, but he is 
Bernie Sanders, that, that is, he is just as radical on the issues of, of abortion as you would guess. This guy doesn't have a middle of the road opinion on anything. The more communist, the more Marxist, the more insane the opinion can be, that's what he's going to do. But basically he released his kind of, uh, what did he call it? Like sexual justice or women's rights thing on his website here recently. But basically Sanders would require states to obtain a clearance from the federal government before enacting any pro-life laws. Is that not the most authoritarian thing that you've ever heard in your entire life? I'll take this from his exact site. So this is from his site. So it's quote, if abortion is legal, but your state has no or too few reproductive health clinics, then you do not have reproductive justice or freedom. I mean, think about that statement. I'll read it again in case some of you guys missed it. This is on his website. This is his official platform. If abortion is legal, but your state has no or too few reproductive health centers, abortion clinics, you do not have reproductive justice or freedom. What in the hell is reproductive justice or freedom? What in the world is that? Gosh, this is like some Orwellian nonsense. But the thing is, is Sanders also promised to work very closely with abortion activists to appoint judges who would uphold Roe v. Wade and, you know, and abortion on demand and all those different things. And another thing you've heard Bernie Sanders talk a lot about is Medicare for all, that we're just going to have free medical care for the entire country. Like that's going to be a real thing. But his Medicare for all plan, if it were to get rammed through Congress, which, you know, dubious proposition at best, it would basically force all American taxpayers to fund abortion on demand. So there'd be no Hyde Amendment. There'd be no Mexico City policy. There'd be none of those things. Basically, it would force all Americans to pay for abortions. All of them. So regardless of if you're the 50% or so of Americans that think that's murder, that doesn't matter under his plan. So again, Bernie Sanders believes in abortion up to the point of birth. Because of course he does. But at the same time, can you be a major party candidate right now? And I'm specifically talking about the, the Democrats. And not believe that? Because let's just say, I think there was one political uh, candidate for president on the Democratic side. I want to say it's Tulsi Gabbard, but I'm not exactly sure. It might've been A.B. Klobuchar, but they, they came out saying that they weren't okay with third trimester abortions. So that's better than, yeah, we're okay with abortion up to the, to the time of birth and, you know, a couple of minutes after birth, no big deal. But at the same time, like these were not major candidates that we really thought were going to win the Democratic ticket. And if we go another four years, whether, well, let's assume Donald Trump wins, which, you know, again, that might be a coin flip by the time we get to the end of the year. But if Donald Trump wins, can we assume what the Democratic ticket is going to be spewing four years from now? I mean, there's not really any place they could go that's worse than where they've already been, right? I mean, they can start pushing into, for, you know, the, the scale on infanticide, they can start pushing that a little bit further. But, you know, who knows at that point? But that's just one guy. So that's Bernie Sanders. But then we've got another hero of the left, Ruth Bader Ginsburg from the Supreme Court. Uh, she said in an interview recently that first trimester abortions are far safer than childbirth. Okay. So she said that while she was expressing her overall extreme displeasure with the Louisiana case that was brought before the Supreme Court. But again, for a woman that believes that a first trimester abortion is safer than childbirth, I would ask her this. What about for the baby, Justice Ginsburg? What about for the baby? Is it as safe for them? Because there's almost a 100% kill rate for an abortionist whenever they're going to take out a first trimester fetus. Almost 100%. I mean, they're almost batting a thousand, right? So is it really that much safer than childbirth? 
Now, again, of course, people are like, oh, you're, you're not doing the right contact. She was obviously talking about for a woman, it was safer than that. But again, the baby inside of her is a separate person. So the statistics might be true that a woman has a higher chance of dying during childbirth than she does during a first trimester abortion. That might be true. I would even concede that. However, there are two people involved here. There are two people during that medical procedure. There's the woman, and then there's the human being inside of her that has completely different DNA than her, that has different blood than her, that has its own organs, its own brain, right? I mean, why would you even make that argument? If you're Ruth Bader Ginsburg, now, again, she is just a wild leftist. Uh, she is somebody that, again, I, I would never wish ill on someone like her, but I wish she would retire, right? I wish she would just retire. I don't want her to pass away and that be how she, she leaves the court. I just want her to get out of there. I just want her to retire. I want her to no longer be on the Supreme Court because she actually believes stuff like this. And she is one of the stalwarts that's blocking against uh, any attacks on Roe v. Wade. So if she were to get out of the way, again, as I repeat, I repeat, I don't want her to die. As some people have said out loud that they want her to just hurry up and die. I want her to live a good long life. I just don't want her to be on the Supreme Court anymore. Okay. But then we've got one other story that I want to share with you. According to one Democrat, abortion is just like getting your wisdom teeth pulled. So here's the quote. Okay. Abortions are one of the safest procedures you could do on an outpatient basis, safer than doing an endoscopy or doing a wisdom teeth extraction. And if you're wondering, that quote is from a House of Representatives member, Jackie Spear from the Democratic Party. She's from the 14th Congressional District in the state of California, of course. But again, the thing I would ask her would be, what about for the baby, ma'am? What about for the baby? Is an abortion just as safe as getting your wisdom teeth taken out? Because here's something, again, I'm not a scientist, but whenever you get your wisdom teeth pulled, your wisdom teeth aren't alive. Your wisdom teeth uh, couldn't be taken out of your body and placed to the side and live and grow and develop and age. Your teeth are essentially an inanimate object, right? But according to some people in the Democratic Party, which if it seems like I'm picking on them, it's because I am, because they actually believe these things. It's just no big deal. And again, you might say to yourself, oh, Kyle, you're not being fair to her. That's not the right context. She's obviously saying that abortion is safer for women than getting your wisdom teeth pulled. Now, I don't know of a lot of women dying getting their wisdom teeth pulled, right? I don't know of a lot of people like that. So that's not necessarily something I would concede to the representative. But guys, the reason why I go over this the reason why I went over the three people that talked outside the Supreme Court and then Bernie Sanders and this representative and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all these individuals is because you have to be ready to reckon with these bad and murderous ideologies because the pro-abortion lobby does not have any legs to stand on. They don't have the moral high ground and only currently do they have the legal high ground because again, I, I'm in, in full belief that someday, hopefully in my lifetime, if not in my children's lifetime, right? We will be able to look back on this time period in American history and think to ourselves, how could we possibly be, possibly have been so barbaric? How is that even possible? Because we can look back now, we can look back on the evils of the Western slave trade and the slave trade in the United States and the things that went on in the South. We can look at those things and be like, how? How in the world did we allow that to happen? How in the world did churches allow its members own, to own slaves? How, how, would, how is that possible? Thanks, thank God for William Wilberforce. Thank God for people like him. But who's going to be the William Wilberforce of, of this issue? Of abortion. 
Because again, I gotta, I gotta remind you guys, 61 million plus babies have died. 61 million. That is an insane number. And the thing about it is, guys, is I'm going to keep talking about this. So if you want to skip the abortion episodes, that's completely fine, right? If this issue makes you uncomfortable, I had a listener call me up uh, not that long ago because, you know, he allowed his his girlfriend to, to kill her baby and to kill his baby at some point. And he was really, really uh, not happy with how I talked about the issue of abortion. And I just got to tell him, as I would tell you guys, ah, don't care. Don't care. Even a little bit. If this subject makes you uncomfortable, it's because it should because we should not be comfortable with children being murdered. That should not be some easy thing that just passes through our brains and out the, out the other end. It shouldn't just, you know, just dissipate into the ether. This is an idea that we should reckon with. And we should reckon with people that believe these things because they're maybe not going to get up in front of a crowd of people and try to get them hyped about the fact that they've had an abortion, but they might be internally proud about it. They might actually be thinking to themselves, man, I'm so glad I killed that child however many years ago, whatever their name would have been, because look at my life now. And the thing is, is it's not for us to condemn these people, right? But Jesus did an amazing job of loving on people while pointing out their sin to them. Because if you think you're loving on people by ignoring the sinful things in their life that they've done, you've got it backwards. You do not hold the judgment seat of God. You, you know that. You guys are cognitively aware enough that you know that that's not the case. You cannot perform judgment on this situation, whether they had an abortion or not or any of those things. It's not up to you. You're going to let God deal with that. But if you've got people in your church, if you've got people in your Sunday school, if you've got people in your world that, that depend on you and that love you and you've got a good relationship and you just let something like this go, you're part of the problem. And even if you don't have one of those situations, you don't know anyone around you that has actually had an abortion, you've got to be able to engage on this issue. And no, I don't necessarily mean get in fights on Facebook, but when you get into these conversations with these individuals, you see very quickly that their ideologies are hollow and you need to point that out to them. You need to invite them into the the, the grace of the gospel. You need to invite them into a worldview that doesn't put a premium on killing babies. And guys... If you're not really getting the point by now, we will never, ever stop talking about this on this podcast. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. So specifically we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got a lot of articles, uh, many of the articles that are referred to in this podcast, the one about the 61 million babies having been killed since Roe v. Wade, uh, the Supreme Court there, there's kind of a breakdown article of what's going on with the Supreme Court and the Louisiana law that is before them. Uh, we've got the quotes that are brought to you uh, by Chief Justice Roberts, a uh, blasting Senator Schumer for what he said, the one about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also about Democratic Representative Jackie Speer. Uh, but then there's one video that I haven't talked about that I want to take a quick second to to bring to you. So I'm in the middle of reading the book Abortion by R.C. Sproul right now. So this is kind of a seminal work in the, in the area of abortion. And there was a documentary that was discussed in this book. It was in chapter three or four or something like that. It's called The Silent Scream. And so this is a documentary, I believe, from the early 80s. I think it's 1984, if not, it was somewhere around then. But basically, it's this 20, 25 minute or so long documentary that actually shows an abortion taking place during while there's an ultrasound going. And the thing about this, guys, is it's overwhelming. And, you know, this, this documentary has been uh, called out for being way too emotive and, and doing all these different things, but it was one of the original founders of NARAL. He was the guy that was kind of walking you through the video and different things like that. That doesn't really spoil the ending at all. 
But at the same time, you're getting an idea of what actually happens during an abortion, right? You know, it's, it's through kind of a grainy film because it's the early 1980s and, you know, we've only gotten better when it's come to, to those types of things with the technology around birth. But you're getting to see something very specific that I don't even think pro-life people think about. And that's whenever they stick the suction tube into the womb, the baby starts getting very, very agitated. The baby is trying to avoid the suction tube, right? And this is the same suction tube that will rip the baby out limb from limb, by the way, only to have the head left over, at which point they stick a tool inside of there and they squash the, the skull and the brain and the head so that they can remove it from the woman's womb. But we see this baby actually writhing in pain. That's the only way that we can describe it. Because this baby was docile and calm in its mother's womb until a murderer decided to stick an instrument in there to end its life. And to a certain degree, you could even make the case that this baby was trying to escape, right? Which, you know, you want to talk about fight or flight and whether it's natural and where the baby has feelings or whether the situation is. At this point in the video, we already have evidence that babies at that age, they already are dreaming. They, they certainly feel pain. They recoil from pain. So they feel themselves being ripped to pieces, but I think this is worth your time. It's a little slow. So if you guys watch it on your computer, you can bump the speed up a little bit. Uh, but whenever they get into the points where they're actually showing the abortion on the ultrasound, I think it's important for you guys to watch. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us a five-star review and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2020. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast, at your men's event, in front of your business, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. Again, that's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. The website is www undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>